This is College Football Weekly. College football like you've never heard it before. Now, here's Will Chambers and Tyler Walgie. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm Will Chambers, Tyler Walgie, professional better. Tyler? Hello! How are you, Will? I'm good, man. How how are you doing? I'm pretty good. Yeah. This week you college football. Good slate coming up this weekend. I'm excited for some of these games. Yeah, me too. And last I feel like week five's games, uh, there were like a bunch of good matchups and then it ended up being like blowout like blowouts everywhere. Like yeah. there weren't many that there really weren't that many close and entertaining games. The games I was the most excited for, yeah, ended up being not that fun. Yeah. I thought Virginia had a chance there for a while, but they kinda did. Slipped yeah. away from the jaws of defeat. So before we get into the <laughs> recap, I wanna even know what that means. Oh I, I know what it means. From the jaws of victory. Uh, yeah, you you cl- get that victory from the jaws of defeat. <laughs> you get the defeat from the jaws of victory. You get it, you just steal it away. Yeah. Um I saw there's been a lot of stuff in the news. Just over the past week, have you been following this whole thing where California passed a law oh, I love it. for college players to get paid? And I think there's another state that just did the same thing that followed suit. I don't I don't know if it's full, uh, Florida. It's some other state is kind of following. It's now they're proposing this bill, right? And technically, it doesn't matter yet because even though California passed this bill and is finding a way to do it, the NCAA ultimately still is in charge. But I did see that the NCAA made a statement and they came out and said, uh, they basically said that, I was kind of surprised when they said it. They said that, that they are following this very closely and they are working to find a way to make this work. And they're saying that they act, for the NCAA to say it's a step in the right direction and we're, we're, we're working on it, is that I'm actually super impressed because I felt like they would push back and just say, well, California can do whatever they want. Our our NCAA players are still not getting paid. Yeah, I think the NCAA, the last couple weeks, it's weird. For a long time, they push back with injury reports for gambling and things like that. I think, obviously, I'm in the world of betting all the time. It seems like there's extra pressure on all these different institutions. I think the NCAA may be one of them because when I think of the NCAA, I mean, I immediately think how unfair they are in in, in these sanctions they hand out all across the board just make no sense they've never been diplomatic in any way so for them to just be like yeah i think this is a good idea i'm so cynical i'm just like they had to have been forced into it they're they're they basically (laughs) are getting forced into it because what i think they're worried about is that if they don't adjust their rules then you'll see you know either like players essentially striking or schools like somehow trying to weasel out of the rules or something? Is the NCAA like a monopoly? Like, Could there be a a competing? They're definitely a monopoly. I mean, mean, technically there could be like if, like I I don't know what the rules are in the CFL if like they could take players straight out of high school. Uh, Like that would really be the only way I think to circumvent that, that, uh, you know, for like if you're a high school kid and your dream is to play in the NFL – there's no other option. Like in basketball, if there's, right. you know, a high school basketball, you know, a really high level recruit, most of them go to college for a year, but some of them go and play in like China for a year or Europe or whatever and say, well, you know, whatever, I'm just going to get paid a little bit and skip college. There's really no system for that for, for football players. I don't, I mean, it's so weird how this, how it's so different for every sport and the NCAA right. is just sort of this blanket over everything. Yeah. And I don't know when you were talking about like what you think of when you, picture when you think of the NCAA like the first thing that popped into my head when you said that was like Darth Vader and like the evil empire of Star Wars like really yeah they're like this 
you know, like they have such a horrible reputation and rightfully so people, people, you know, rip them apart because they do these horrible things like with, you know, they deny certain players. Like there was that Virginia tech kid or the player that transferred to Virginia tech to be closer to his dying grandmother and they rejected his transfer. But then they let, you know, Justin Fields transfer from Georgia to Ohio state or, Tate Martell transferred from Ohio State to Miami, you know, just because basically those guys, you know, lost their starting job or didn't didn't win the starting job. You say uh, that you picture like Darth Vader or something like that. Yeah, my the, the, the evil empire. The visual I get in my head when I think NCAA is a bunch of old grumpy men around a table. Like that's that's the yeah. visual that I get. Just sort of it's kind of the same thing. Yelling except at one Darth another. Vader's got a mask. Huh? Every He's every the, three yeah. seconds, someone's going, huh? What? Is it Mark? Ooh. Is Mark Emmert the guy? Is that the NCAA? I don't know if it is any. I'm not sure if he is anymore. Um, he would be Darth Vader. Yeah, he'd be is, the guy it, that wears the, the, the mask <laughs> and and talks with the crazy accent. You know, it is Mark Emmert. Emmert, 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 Emmert. Whatever. Boy, that's some fake hair he's got. But I mean, that guy, like the only guy that is the head of like a giant sports organization that has a worse reputation is Roger Goodell, right? Everyone, <laughs> everyone hates Roger Goodell. They kind of look alike, actually. <laughs> well, they do the same job. I mean, they both, they represent different shareholders, right? It's not quite the same with the NCAA, but like, it's just, everyone knows it. The NCAA is just, they're a joke because they call themselves nonprofit, but they have like literally a billion dollars in their coffers, like sitting around. The NCAA is like the biggest scam right in front of our eyes. It's, right. I wouldn't even, I don't know if scam's the right word. Yeah. But they've just been getting away with thievery right in front of everyone's eyes right. for years. Well, the, you said it. They have a monopoly, they, they don't have competition in their marketplace. And so, especially when it comes to football, which is their biggest moneymaker. And so, Man, these you know, I don't know athlete, if I, student, have you ever seen the South Park? Uh, yeah. Oh, student athlete. Athlete. Oh, that's good. Um, you yeah. mean employees, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not that like hardcore person where, you know, like I agree that the players should be being compensated, especially for like player likeness. I think that's the best way to do it is just say let them profit off of their likeness. That way, if you're, you know, some five star, if you're Trevor Lawrence, you can go and make money. Signing autographs or whatever. That or hair. Weekend that, that's trademarkable. Sunshine. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, then we get our NCAA football <laughs> video game back. And so that's the best way to do it. I'm not like so cr- – like, some people were like very they, – they get, they get nothing. And it's like, you know, I know it's stupid. I'm not like full like Danny Cannell level where I'm like, you know, this education is worth so much they shouldn't be getting paid. But you can't say that like getting a scholarship to a – to a college is worthless it, it has real value they're getting they're, you know they're getting uh i mean how much how much does the average person have in student loans after they graduate from college it's right like, like like dozens of thousands yeah of like dollars. 50 grand or yeah, more sometimes crazy. and so it's not like but, it's totally but, worthless but, but but that's that's the monetary value on the education that people who want to be there are getting right so they're 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 putting their name in the hat i want to go to the school i will pay this in the future to, to me, that's like if you if you wanted to be a radio host, right, and you had to go to a radio school, or, or you had to go to like a coal mining school just to be a radio. Ho- is this is an awful right. analogy? This no, is the I, worst I, analogy no, in the world. I, I, I get, you, you know a coal what I'm mining saying? school. They, I know. I, I, I get what you're no, saying like, though. Like they're trying to do. It's just like a, a the next gateway for them to go be a, a professional whatever. Yeah. If you're a doctor. You're gonna go to school to learn to be a doctor. Right. If you want to be a professional football player, you but have to go to to also, a school. How many? Like what? What percentage of college football players go to the NFL? It's like less than one percent. But it's it? uh, but but in my opinion, the way this this is to be structured is it's an onus on them. 
that if you know you're not good enough, if you're a one-star athlete, if you're on the volleyball team and they're not, you're not selling jerseys, then, I mean, I think that, you know, capitalism is a really good answer for this. If you, right. if there's a supply, you should meet that supply with demand, or if there's a demand, you yeah. should meet that demand with supply, but, you know, I think that it's it's up to the the third string center, you know, who who's a senior and has gotten three snaps his entire career. He should probably stay all four years. Right. But usually they do, right? There's not there's not that but, many guys that leave early that end up not even making. But it I don't the NFL. think the guys like that are included in this conversation. I think what we're talking right. about is people who deserve the money. The Tim Tebow's or you know, those, Lawrence, it's a drastic right. example. But even Tua. you know, someone who I can't even you know, someone who's no, whose name I don't know, who may be good on Pitt. And his jersey may he may sell five hundred jerseys in that little small town. Let him make a couple bucks off that. Yeah, so for it's sure. all like tiered, and, and I think that is popular. Right, because then because then the market dictates what their value is, exactly. and then you don't have to. Because like some of the prop, propositions people have had for how to pay, you know, student athletes and and college athletes is is kind of dumb, right? Because some people were saying, well, we'll cut a check to every student athlete all the same <laughs> amount. It's like, yeah, totally, because. You know the the guy on the lacrosse team is making the same amount of money for Alabama as as Tua is, except that's total bullshit, right? So Tua deserves to make more money than the captain of the lacrosse team that's yeah. not making any money for the school. So let the market dictate it. You know, if people are willing to to go and pay Tua ten thousand dollars to sit down and sign autographs for ten, for a couple of hours, then great. You know, good for him. Exactly. And so I think this this it. is a step in the right direction. And of course, thinking selfishly, like I do when it comes to sports. I love this the most because this is the first step in getting our NCAA football video game back. <laughs> yes. Which, like, you and I have Woo! both played for so long. We've talked about it on the show before. I still play it. This game came out in 2013. <laughs> it's a six-year-old video That's game so now. Crazy. I still play it on my Xbox 360, like the past generation. And <laughs> tough shit What's for... What's your give out your gamer tag in case anyone plays you out there? Do uh, you have any... Should you do not want to do that? Is that like giving your address out these days? No, I'm trying to remember what my oh. gamer tag because my gamer tag on my 360 is my old gamer tag. Oh. So it's like XX. Oh, it's K XX. I love. Uh, <laughs> am I allowed to finish this? <laughs> I love Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, there so, you yeah, go. <laughs> I, I watched Jim Harbaugh shirtless through binoculars. No, it's uh, it's a reference to a, a funny movie. I don't, I'm sure you haven't seen it because Tyler never sees good movies. It's called um, MacGruber. It was an SNL skit that became a. You know, it's like a hilariously bad movie. It's really funny, and uh, it's, it's stupid. It's just it's a reference to it to a license plate in that movie. You know what I did watch over the weekend was the Between Two Ferns documentary. It was like the movie. It was horrible. Really, it was so stupid. It's on Netflix, right? Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. Like, it's just, so you'll see that. Just pretty much following. But trying to get Tower to watch Forrest Gump or like <laughs> Saving Private Ryan or a good movie. I don't have time. You for won't. Those. You won't do that. Yeah. Unbelievable. No, no. So disrespectful. All right. Well, week five. Week five. Uh, yeah, blowouts everywhere. So it's funny because on Friday, the Friday night game was Penn State-Maryland, and I had like a work party, like a little work function a that shindig. I was at. And I left early because I was like, I, I, I got to <laughs> go home and see this Penn State-Maryland game. The game kicked off at 6.30 our time. I left work at like right at 6.15. And by the time I got home, it like, you know, I got home just like 10 minutes after it kicked. Penn State was already up like 14 nothing, And then it was just over. Like it was done. Yeah. Like the Maryland hype train is officially derailed. Uh, and it, yeah, that didn't last long. No, it didn't. And it sucks for them because Maryland, the whole school, they canceled Friday classes. They did a blackout. <laughs> like they, they were like billing, you know, billing this as like their biggest matchup in years and their best home game. And so they canceled classes for the whole school. And they said they wanted to get everyone ready for this football game. And then, yeah, five seconds into the game, it's over. 
59 to nothing. Is Penn State better than you thought? Yeah, they're definitely they're better what? than I thought. I don't know if they're on that same like elite tier, but they're way better than I thought they were. Yeah, me too. My God, Sean yeah. Clifford's a he looked really dude's good. a stud. He and they're leading rusher this weekend as well. Yeah, and their defense. Maryland had 128 yards. This is the Maryland wow. that scored like 70 points on Syracuse. Penn so, State may be the team that I wasn't talking about. For sure. I mean, me neither. I mean, honestly, I, I didn't even really give them a shot no. at winning the Big Ten. And now, you know, obviously Ohio State's the favorite. But if anyone else is going to come out of the East division to take down Ohio State, it's got to be Penn State now, right? I mean, I think so. Do you, do you watch Rick and Morty? Oh, I love Rick and Morty. Would, <laughs> don't you think that... Uh, James, that was supposed to be a Rick burp. Oh. <laughs> Don't you think James Franklin kind of looks like Mr. Poopy Butthole? I think he is Mr. Poopy Butthole. <laughs> yeah. Look, I've never... I don't like James Franklin. I think that he's just annoying. And I don't like his demeanor. But, I, I mean, he's doing a really good job there. You can't... Like, I thought this year would be the year where they take a huge step back and then maybe he's in the hot seat. And now, it, you know, now it's looking like... He's got things going. He's just recruited so well. They have so much talent there. Well, he did win my preseason award for most aerodynamic head coach. That's so right. he's got that going for him. Very shiny. I head. think he's got that on his uh, mantle. Super shiny. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I think this. This also was this another Friday night game, the Arizona State Cal game. Yeah, how about that, man? It, overrated Cal, huh? I don't even know that they're overrated. I mean, I know they were ranked 15th, and so maybe you can say they're overrated. But I think that they had a really good defense. They had, Cal had. Uh, they had who they beat? They beat Washington, Washington. and that, so that, and that that's lightning a, delay, weird yeah. lightning, lightning and delay. And on the road, it was at Washington. That's a huge win. And so, but I think the bigger thing is that Herm Edwards continues to show that he's really good in big games. Um, I mean, like he he was like it was like a laughing joke when he went to Arizona State last year. No one thought he could succeed there, and he's doing s- super well. I didn't. I thought it was more of a publicity move i mean arizona state's never been a huge football school let's right. just get a big name in here maybe it'll work out yeah and it's and maybe that's all it was maybe <laughs> right? they just took a shot in the dark and, and it's, it's just worked. happening to work no he's doing a great job i mean i think right now in the pac-12 if you isolate that conference alone he's beating expectations for sure he's like the number one coach in terms of exceeding expectations right now everyone knew you know kyle whittingham and utah were going to be pretty good they have a loss on the record yeah uh, washington same thing they lose to cal I, you probably could have put uh, uh, Cal's coach. Help me out here. Um, uh, yeah, Justin Wilcox. Justin Wilcox in that conversation before last week, but that, but he lost to Herm Edwards. So I guess they, it's right. in the same conversation there. Those were two good coaches. I think we can say going out For of last sure. week. But Herm, especially. Certainly. I mean, Justin Wilcox. We know about his defense, and honestly, they might win that game if Chase Garbers, their quarterback, isn't knocked out of the game right. with a shoulder injury. I think that was late in the third quarter. Um, they might win that game. It was twenty four seventeen final score, but. I think with Arizona State, I mean, they lost their starting quarterback last year, and uh, Nikhil Harry was, and again, ended up being a first-round pick to the Patriots, the wide receiver. And look, JT Daniels, who's a true freshman, by the way, he wasn't great. He had a fumble. He didn't throw any touchdowns for Arizona State. But Eno Benjamin, their running back, he had 100 yards, three touchdowns. I don't know. You look at Arizona State, they have two huge road wins against t- top 25 teams. They beat Cal. They beat Michigan State You know, at, at uh, in East Lansing. That's huge, and I, I, they, that loss to Colorado now is really stinging. I was going to say, sure. look who beat Arizona yeah, State. Man, that's making the Buffs look good. National championship. Yeah. And I Uh-oh. just want to point out again, I got uh, the Arizona State over on their season win total, 7.5. Yeah, that, you also have the Iowa State over as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one's not dead yet. <laughs> They're going to have to Probably finish 7-1 to one Probably for you to win dead. that bet. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to win that one, but I think I'm getting the Arizona State, so that was a yeah. good one. That was. Good job there. Did you watch the uh, Clemson? 
North Carolina game? I didn't watch it, but I saw Sunshine was strong. What is Sunshine from? What is it? What it's Remember it from? the Titans. Remember oh, like the, the, right. the California quarterback with the long blonde hair that comes in? and I just think of uh, Days of Confused. I don't know why. Oh yeah, well it's because that, that it's because he has the like the hair, hair from the '70s. He looks like he could, he could rock some bell bottom jeans. I think That's I would why. have liked to live in that era. Would I think you? I would have gotten along well with those people. I think I yeah I don't know man. I mean like I I think it's easy to look back on it fondly, but then when you consider that like they didn't have a lot. I don't know. I mean you'd miss out on a lot of the awesome stuff we have today. If you could go back to one period in time and you could come back to today, knowing what you did, where would you go? Like one event. Oh, I just like so, so. This is basically like a time travel. Yeah, question. time travel. Question. I'm not going back there permanently. Yeah, just, just one just, event. You get to like witness one event, and then okay. I want to. I'm going back to Egypt, and I want to see how they built the pyramids because I have questions. Really? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, I'd love to know exact like just what this, the secret was because I'm not like one of those psychos. It's like it was aliens, <laughs> but I don't think that it makes a lot of sense how they claim that they just had slaves pulling. You I know, think thirty ton. Rocks. I think the Joe Rogan answer is the correct one. That what happened is. People built them a long time ago, and then we died off. Yeah, and then we just right. forgot about it. We basically it. just and had like <laughs> a smart ancient civilization yeah, exactly. that got wiped off. And then the forgot earth about it, and then we like found them. And, then, and then people found them like a lot longer, and then took, just took credit for them. Yeah, the, maybe the stupid Egyptians definitely said, could We be. built those. Like, no. <laughs> That's what. What would you do? Where would you go? I initially I go to dark things. I go to like murders. I go to the JFK, JFK. thing or OJ. Would want to be there to see. You <laughs> I know? Okay, but that's so. The OJ one is stupid because we all know how it went down, right? <laughs> well, there's no question. You want to know why I said you're not OJ? an OJ truther, are you? No, my God. And as a matter of fact, today I got on this weird YouTube thing where I, I was like watching. Oh yeah. You ever spend a while on YouTube? It's, oh it's yeah. It's not like Spotify. I love a YouTube where, rabbit hole where, where the music makes sense. You can spend like an hour on Spotify. You'll be around the same ballpark of the same genre you started in. Right. You spend an hour on YouTube and you're like you're going to different dimensions oh, yeah. with the topic. So it ended up on, on OJ today and it's really interesting. Yeah. So I was I love <laughs> YouTube rabbit holes. Mind. They're so much fun. You can really jump around. Yeah. No. But uh, but Sunshine, yeah, Clemson. Well, this ended up being like <laughs> maybe the most entertaining game of the whole weekend. And I don't think many people no doubt expected about it. it. Look, I wanted UNC to win that game. Oh, I love the fact did. that they went for two. Everybody did except I love for Clemson fans. Me too. Look, Mac Brown, I mean he's one play away from I think at that point. That probably would have been the second biggest win of his career behind the national championship at Texas. That's honestly wow. I mean, look, I not yeah. North Carolina was what four and eight or three and nine last year, and Mac Brown comes in, another guy where people were just didn't have any expectations. And I know they've had a you know they're, I think they're now two and two or two and three, but they had that big win against South Carolina week one. This one, I mean, look, they were right there. They held Clemson to three hundred thirty-one yards of offense and four yards a carry, and they were that close. And like Mac Brown. He's injected life into the program, and, I, and I, I feel like it. You know, we should be positive about North Carolina, and Mac Brown, but I feel like this game was more, uh, more about Clemson and their inability to get up for games. Like this is something that that we talked about in the preseason, where I mentioned it's very reminiscent of the Ohio State team in 2015, where that Ohio State team won the national championship, and the next year they had everybody coming back, and everyone was like they're going to repeat. And I think it's just so hard. To repeat, because once those kids have made it to the peak, to the top, how then, you know, it's got to be hard to motivate them to give their all, especially when they have such an easy schedule like Clemson does. They don't play anyone all year long. Like, how it's not the same as being motivated to play Alabama. And so 
I, you know, I feel like they can struggle their way to 12-0 and 0 and then still win in the playoff because they'll finally have something right, to play for. Right, right. It's but, about surviving these kind of games. Yeah, They're, they're probably sure. going to have another one of these in the schedule. Wasn't it Georgia Tech a couple years ago that they yeah. almost lost or were lost to? Yeah, it was, I think they almost lost to Georgia Tech. So they, there's like they one got every year for Pitt. them. Yeah, I mean, like usually. And so, yeah, I mean, they, they just have to get there undefeated because I think if they're undefeated, they're going to get in. But... I mean, look, I think it was a little bit of both, and I and, and I hate doing this where I'm walking the fence, but I do think that we're not giving North Carolina enough credit. I, I think there is really, yeah, truly something to Mike Brown. And, and I mean, I know they're two and three, but those were a couple close losses. By the way, they were only two or three-point favorites, I think, against Appalachian State. So that was supposed to yeah. be a close game. Yeah, and Appalachian State's a good team anyway. I think They're that I, I think that North Carolina played well, but but I mean at the same time, Trevor Lawrence was eighteen of thirty for a touchdown. I mean he had two hundred yards in the game. Yeah. You expect better of Sonny. Did you see that his like Heisman odds plummeted? Which uh, I, you got to feel, but anyone that bought that ticket before the season, I think it was just like <laughs> two to one or three to one. Oh god! And I've, I've he pretty there. much doesn't have a shot now. Especially I've been there with, so often. He's too far behind. Like the guys that are putting up insane numbers right now, like Justin Fields or yeah, you know whatever. So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, other, you know, uh, national championship team from last year, Alabama, they blow out Ole Miss. And I only really think it's interesting because, look, Bama's offense is nuts and everyone knows about Tua and all that stuff. But uh, their defense seems like more vulnerable than ever under Nick Saban. Um, I, like, it's not like they're getting giving up a ton of points, but like they gave up 23 to South Carolina and 31 to Ole Miss. And that Ole Miss team could only only score ten points against Memphis and twenty points against Cal. And I I'm not saying like sound the alarm because twenty three and thirty one isn't that much in the scheme you know the grand scheme of things. But this just doesn't look like what you're used to seeing with a Nick Saban defense, right? I mean, uh, yeah, but then again, they gave up fourteen points in the fourth quarter when yeah. a, when, when a lot of their backups were in. So I mean, I guess the question is, what do you expect when they're resting their starters on defense? Yeah, I, I don't know right. how many of the 23 points South Carolina scored late, but going into the fourth quarter, it was 51 to 17. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think right. that, and this is what we talk about a lot, is why we like taking the first half with the Ohio States this year, which has been profitable, with Alabama this year, which I think has been profitable. I'm not so sure. Yeah, but the reason why right. that is is because I think that these teams have a propensity to take their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. Alabama... I don't have the stat in front of me, but I know they've been outscored in the fourth quarter the last couple of years. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. So And they didn't cover, but the it's funny that you mentioned that they gave up points late because I had a teaser. I had teased them down from thirty five to twenty nine, I think. Did or thirty or something like that. And and no, they didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> and and Ole Miss scored a touchdown with six seconds left. No. Yeah. <laughs> six seconds left. So they, they like Dude, and I was just so sitting rough. there like, What do you come on, Alabama? Like, try. I know this. These are your like your third string guys, but like give an effort or something, man. And and yeah, and Ole Miss could have you know just ran the ball like a lot of teams that are down thirty and 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 just said whatever we're not going to win this game. But instead they just keep throwing the ball. And I was just I, and when it happened I was just like God damn it. This is why this is why I don't bet on Alabama usually is because <laughs> no, they right. give up those late fourth quarter like the backdoor covers all the time. That stinks. How do the other part of your teasers do? Oh, they, uh, that was the other that, that was teasers. that was one of of four games that didn't mi- or th- that missed. Like the other three hit. That's why I was so. Pissed oh off. no! Yeah. Was, oh, that's the yeah. worst. <laughs> I whenever, know, it killed me. Whenever I have a parlay 
and I lose one of them, I'm always cheering against my picks for the later ones. I'm like, I don't want to go four and one. Yeah, in this. for sure. <laughs> yeah, and like, there's nothing more annoying than like that. The parlay guy was like, oh, I was one bet away from this big parlay <laughs> bet because everyone's like that. But still, it was frustrating. Did you see the so. guy online who posted like the seventeen par the seventeen team parlay for eighty nine cents to win? Yeah, hundred thousand. He didn't hedge he it. Didn't hedge. Why didn't he hedge it? What an <laughs> idiot! Lost, he I had know. one game. It was like a, it was a, le- a dollar bet to that. win to win eighty grand. Wasn't his quote like "real men don't hedge" or something like yeah. that? Morons don't hedge <laughs> in that exactly. point. It's one thing to be like, "Oh, it's you know, I could win fifty bucks. I'm not going to hedge it." That guy could have gone and mil. taken a bank loan right then and and guaranteed. I mean, at least I, I don't know the rough math. You're getting at least a couple hundred thousand, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. That guy <laughs> what a, I'm a real man. He's stupid is what he is. He's a real stupid man. I know. You are a stupid stupid man. Yeah. yeah. If you're listening out there, parlay guy, <laughs> you're an idiot. Um Ohio State blew out Nebraska. This was like the primetime game. Uh I think it was the game day game, wasn't it? Was game day in Lincoln? I I think they were. I believe so. I know. I mean, at least Herb Street and Fowler were there for that game, so I'm assuming they did the call. So I'm assuming that was no. Uh, wait, was it Notre Dame or was it? Uh, no, that was last week. That was, that was two weeks ago. Um, Notre Dame played Virginia this weekend. I'm, so. I'm pretty I was, sure it was Lincoln. I was um, unfortunately I was submerged in incapacitated soccer at that point. <laughs> in the morning, <laughs> oh right, in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I actually wanted to watch College Game Day because wasn't Uncle Rico on this week? Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, he wasn't on game day, but he showed up to hang out with Gardner Minshew in Denver. Yeah. That's what it was. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, like he he took a photo with Minshew during practice before oh, the Broncos. I thought game. that like they were Uncle both Rico from uh, oh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Maybe it was NFL Countdown or something like that. Either something way, like I missed that. whatever I, it was. I didn't but. watch game day either. I don't know who this celebrity picker was. I don't think it was Uncle Rico. I could be wrong though. But um, <laughs> no, I'm guessing they they had like a Nebraska guy because I'm pretty sure it wasn't Lincoln. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, no, look, uh, you're right. It wasn't Lincoln. It was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but so stupid blowout, right? Ohio State jumps on early, and then just just when it seemed like I think they were up fourteen nothing, and Nebraska started driving and like was just getting some momentum, and then they throw that pass where the Nebraska receiver tries. To, he's like reaching out just to get it, and he tips it. To an Ohio State defender who was laying on his back yes. had fallen down. It just lands right right in his hands. And at that point, you knew it was over. They end up winning 48-7. And I got to tell you, man, as a Michigan fan, how like Ohio State loses Urban Meyer, who <laughs> is probably one of the three greatest college coaches of all time. Like uh, He's at least in the debate. He's up he's, there, yeah. He's in the he's debate. He's won a national championship at two different schools. Uh, they lose him. And from everything we've seen so far, they've they're better I without know, him. I know. What the fuck? I have no idea. All, all right, look. Maybe my earlier estimation that he's not Ryan Day, he's Ryan Knight. Uh, okay, wasn't so <laughs> but everyone thought that. No one, no one was like, yeah, we're gonna outside of like Ohio State fans, and even still, you're you're just a fan. You don't know. Like everyone had to assume. No one was saying Ohio State was gonna be bad. I thought it was the stupidest hire in the world. But to lose when you lose a guy of that caliber, Urban Meyer. And then you get better. Like it just, I just don't know what to expect anymore. I think Ohio State is that talented. I oh, think yeah. they're that much better than everybody else, except for Alabama and Clemson. And I mean, I think that they're I think just. They could be Clemson and, right and, now, man. And I believe that Ryan Day is such a good or such a better head coach than I'd given him credit for. That this that the structure of what they did hasn't changed. It seems right. Like. I mean, they're thriving in, yeah. in, in in everything seemingly. And again. I'm not in the locker room for Michigan. I'm not in the locker room for Ohio State, for USC. We can only make assumptions based on what we see on the field and what we hear, I guess, after the game and so on and so forth, reading the papers, read online, so on. But 
what I see from Ohio State, there's no, everyone's on the same page. They're maximizing everything that they can do right now. And I believe they still have a lot left to show later in the year. They're doing everything right. Like, like you, when you look at their team right now, you can't say, you can't pick out a flaw. I mean, they're doing, they're lights out on defense and I get it. I don't know. They don't have a turnover chain. That's they pretty still, big <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- so I, like, I get it. They haven't played anyone yet, really. I mean, Nebraska and Cincinnati are two toughest teams but, so far, but even still, they're they're hammering everyone they play. So, like you know, we could be we might be proven wrong this weekend when we get in. You know, when we see them play Michigan State in elite defense. But right now, honestly, like I I feel like the only team that I'd pick to beat them is Alabama, and I honestly think they'd have a real shot at beating them, like a legitimate shot. I want to be careful when we're talking about. I understand when it's like a. Arizona, right? And it's like, okay, we don't know who they've played yet. I want to be careful. We're talking about Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, because how many games are on their schedule that we can really use to evaluate them? Yeah. Maybe like... They're not going to play people on their level, I'm looking right... Right, right, exactly. A couple games. Maybe Penn State now. Michigan State's defense, at least. What's the line in that game? The Michigan State game coming up this week that we're going to preview. It's 20, 20 and a half. It's a huge line. So, I mean, the books aren't even saying that's going to be close. They got Wisconsin on October 26th. That'll be a good one. And then they have, well, Penn State, November 23rd. We don't know how how that's going to be. And then the following week, Michigan. At Michigan. So... And that... (laughs) There's like three games that we can really judge them all on, you know? And, And... for sure. They've given up. And you mentioned Alabama, even though I kind of use it as an excuse. Hey, garbage points. You're taking your team off the field. Ohio State hasn't done that. They gave up 10 to Indiana, 0 to Cincinnati, 5 to Miami of Ohio, 7 to Nebraska. So Yeah, Nebraska team that, a, the week before had like 700 yards of offense. <laughs> so I think there's something to be said. Despite the fact that they not playing anybody ranked yet in the season, whew, I'd be shaking in my boots if I was in uh, Ann Arbor, man. Dude, I remember, I remember the day. Uh, so well that Jim Tressel, the sweater vest, you know, quit or got fired, however you want to say it. He got forced out. I remember waking up that day and and th- I like, I really thought to myself, all my troubles are over with. <laughs> and I like had this smile on my face and everything seemed great, right? Because then they have an interim head coach, Luke Fickle, and he goes like six and six or whatever. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a Brady Hoke came in. He won like 11 games, beat Ohio State. I was like, all my troubles are over. And then they get Urban Meyer. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> and then he dominates Michigan. He goes 7-0 against them. And then when all this stuff happens, look, I didn't when he left, I, I didn't think Ohio State was going to be bad. I knew they'd be very good, but I didn't possibly think they could get better. And at this point, it's like when Ryan Day, which I, I do think eventually, I don't know how soon, it could be a year from now, it could be a few years from now, I, I think he's the type of guy that will go to the NFL. He's been in the NFL before as an assistant. I think he'll want to try out. Why do you, you know, think that? Just because it's the next natural step. Yeah, like he's not. Um, there's 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 certain college coaches that like you can tell are just kind of like college football lifers. And maybe I'm wrong here, but I to me he strikes me as the type of guy that you know he's been in the NFL coaching circuit before. He coached. He was like an offensive assistant on the Eagles for a while and, and the 49ers. I think that he's the type of guy that if he let's say he wins a national championship at Ohio State or he goes to the playoff two or three years in a row, I could very well see him taking a job in the NFL just to prove that he's on that level of coaching and. But now I'm assuming when that happens that they're going to replace him with the second coming of Nick <laughs> Saban. Like, I know. How, is, how do they continue to get better? Like, part of it has to be luck, right? When you hit on coaches that many times in I a row? I think so, for sure. I mean, I think anytime you hit on that many coaches in a row, quarterbacks in a row, right. anytime you hire that many good people in a row. Yeah. Look, I've said this before about hiring. 
I think it's difficult to hire new people because everybody sounds good in the interview. Right. I mean, I mean if you're a coach who knows so much about the X's and O's, you have charisma, an AD doesn't know what the hell a, a right. fly jet sweep is. He's just going to try and hire someone who can win games and, right. and, and give the best pitch. So it has to be some luck. I mean, how do you right. just get this? I mean, they have a great coaches in a row. They have like a great uh, foundation, like the industry or uh, industry, the uh, the organization they have there is obviously like it's on another level. So it it makes it e- that much easier for a new coach to come in and do well. But even still, like what you know, what are the chances that? Because uh, right now it seems like Ryan Day might be in that like top elite know, level of it's coaching. Weird, I, I mean, know. we could we'll, we may find out more maybe in a couple years since Urban Meyer's recruiting you well, know is gone. But it I also want to I also want to see like. The NFL draft next year. Right. I mean, if there's three or four guys from Ohio State taken in the first round, there it's will be. be like, oh, okay. there is like every year. I mean, Chase Young is going to go, and that guy is a freak of nature. Their defensive end, the pass rusher, is uh, they just keep churning those guys out. They had the Bosa brothers. He looks better than both the Bosa brothers. He's a he's a freak. They have to slow down at some time. At some that's point. what <laughs> I keep telling myself, Tyler. And uh, I I think what's going to happen is that. Either they're going to slow down one day or I'm going to end up in a mental institution. Well, I think it's going to happen either way, but... Good God. Yeah, <laughs> crazy, man. Well, they looked awesome. Uh, you know who else looked awesome? Auburn. Auburn. Auburn, dude. So, Bo Nix, who Ty- our friend Tyler took a major dump on last week. I did. <laughs> he went 16 for 21, 335 yards, uh, three total touchdowns, two through the air, one on the ground. And th- they scored... So, they beat Mississippi State 56 to 23. 56 is a lot of points to put up on Mississippi State. That's not a bad defense. Yeah, making me eat those words a little bit there, Scotty. Um, Shh. Listen, listen, dude. I keep going back and forth. Auburn's like the one team. Actually, there's a couple teams. Your Michigan's in this category, too, that I really can't get a good hold on this season. Going into last week's games, I was like, Auburn's going to lose four games this year, right? right? But I still said in that same show that I, I thought Gus Melzahn was showing great signs of improvement. I honestly think that this Auburn team, if Bo Nix can play well, they are as good, I want to say, as anybody in the country, but I think that Alabama, Auburn, or Alabama, Clemson, uh, Ohio State, and maybe even Georgia are like a tick, just a little bit better than them. But I honestly think Auburn is elite. They're close, man. Their defense is really good. And I was just going to ask you that, like, where, where, you know, should they be in the discussion for the top tier? Because I feel like that top tier right now is actually, it's funny because going into the season, everyone was like, oh, it's Alabama and Clemson and everyone else because that's how it's been for the last few years. Right. And now that top, that's right now, how things look at the top tier, it's actually huge because I feel like you can put Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, Oklahoma. I think you can probably put LSU in that tier right now. And Auburn's close, man. They're really not that far. Yeah, I think Auburn belongs on the fringe of the conversation, if not in the conversation. Yeah. And I think a good deciding factor here is to look at data, right? And to right. look at stats. And I really trust the FPI, the Football Power Index, ESPN. They take a, a a range of different numbers, right? So they take into account who you've played, how much you've won by, a whole lot of things besides final score, right? And I think that it's telling right now, Auburn is seventh in the country in FPI, and they are right behind LSU. So yeah, for sure. And again, just to give everyone an idea of the top seven, one to seven goes Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, OU, LSU, then Auburn. Exactly. And so they're right there. And You want to know who's next? Penn State. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they definitely, you know, 
once we see them play some tough teams, they definitely could be in that discussion too. I but mean, the, they look the Auburn, really good. But the Auburn Tigers, I think, are on that level. And For sure. You know how college football works, man? I mean, if they happen to win one of these close games, everything flips, everything right. changes. The turntables will turn, as Michael <laughs> Scott said. Well, I mean, their defense is so good that at this point it seems like their floor is like a really close game. And if they're off, and it's on their offense put out, and their ceiling is that they just blow people out what's, if the offense plays well. What's funny that you, that you, that you kind of mentioned floor and ceiling is that this is really interesting, actually. If you look at the, the current FPI on ESPN – all of the teams surrounding Auburn, including the six ahead of them and the four behind them, Penn State, Notre Dame, Oregon, and Wisconsin, all have a higher projected win-loss total. And right. it's just because they play in the SEC. It right. has to be. They've yeah, got their schedule's way tougher. Insanely difficult schedule, but it's just, that, that that's funny. You know, you look at a Wisconsin, they're projected right now to get 10.2 wins. They're right. projecting Auburn to get 9.8, and Wisconsin's almost five slots beneath them on the... Yeah. And if you compare their what schedules, an, what it's not an even un, close. What an, unforce, what an unfair sport we, uh, we we talk about, Will. For sure. And, yeah, yeah and, and that's funny you mentioned Wisconsin because that's the next game I was going to bring up is that, you know, Badgers couldn't have done that last week against Michigan. <laughs> 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 they, they, they beat Northwestern 24-15. to 15. Their offense only scored 10 points. They had Their defense scored two touchdowns. Their offense only scored one. And I just don't get it. Like, you know, motivation has a lot to do with it. Maybe it is just kind of like a hangover from them just completely hammering Michigan the week before and what was definitely a bigger game. And North, I think Northwestern's defense is it definitely been better, a bit of a better than Michigan's. Too. Yeah, but like, for, it's one thing to say, I mean, their defense looked great, but Northwestern's offense is bad. But like Northwestern really, Jack Cohn didn't have a good game. Jonathan Taylor didn't look great. Um, they just, it didn't look like Wisconsin at all. And and honestly, Northwestern bailed them out with those two, uh, two defensive touchdowns. Northwestern had a shot there. They like they were right, right. They ended right. up losing by nine, and that included two failed, uh, two point conversions. That, See, so this could have been a seven point game. I saw this differently. I saw, I saw a great Northwestern team in this spot. I mean, Northwestern thrives as the underdog in this role. Yeah. I heard a stat. I heard a stat last week on another podcast that said, uh, Northwestern. The last 18 games, they were 20-point underdog or more. Their overall record was 10-8 and eight in those games. Yeah, they, they had which won I believe. 10 of them outright. Right. Like, like, and so uh, their coach, I want to go, Scott Fitzgerald? Pat Fitzgerald. <laughs> Pat Fitzgerald. <laughs> was it Scott Fitzgerald, the writer or something like that? F. Scott, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. <laughs> That's who you're thinking of. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah. You're, um, a, you're a well-read man. Oh, God. You know, I just got a, a cool book for my birthday. The sci- It's called Seinfeld and Psychology. It like, combines Seinfeld and Psychology. But okay. anyway, Pat Fitzgerald, in that spot, underdog. And you, you combine that with, look, I think it's, that Michigan is now, it, it's, it's a roller coaster, right? It's always, oh, they suck, they're great, they suck, they're great. I think Michigan's still a, a good physical team. And although Wisconsin... <laughs> I don't know. May, 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 but I think that there was something, too. They got up for Michigan the week before. Right. They beat their ass. Maybe there was a bit of a letdown combined with the upward trajectory of Northwestern. I think you got to give a lot of credit to Northwestern that game. Yeah, you do. I mean, they played super tough, but it's like they <laughs> they couldn't have done that. It's the same thing. Northwestern <laughs> couldn't have done that when I made them my best bet as 10-point underdogs at home to Michigan State, right? Uh, well. and, and so I just don't get it. Like, you know, Northwestern is just one of those teams. I talked about it last week with Pitt being like a – like a bipolar team, you just you you never know what you're gonna get. It's like the Forrest Gump line. Not that you would get, not that you would understand, because you haven't seen good movies. But <laughs> you know, Northwestern they're like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get, and <laughs> and it's the same thing. And so, look, I just don't. 
I like how you did the accent with it too. That was good. I did the Forrest Gump accent, Jen A. Um, yeah, but it's just frustrating because when you see that the following week after you see your team get, like I saw Michigan get hammered by them, it's frustrating. And obviously, you know, Michigan looked improved against Rutgers. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. You can't take anything from it. Sure, you know, they looked a little more organized and, and it, you know, the play calling looked a little more smooth. But once again, it might as well have been against high school kids when you're playing Rutgers. Michigan's got the fifth remaining strength schedule ranking. Yeah, their the schedule is brutal. Schedule. It's really tough. And before the season, people said their schedule was a strength, that it was easy. But that's because they didn't know how good Wisconsin was going to be. Uh, they didn't know that Iowa was going to be very good. People thought, you know, Penn State was going to have it down here, right. and they didn't think Ohio State would be like a, a playoff caliber team either. I picked Michigan to win the Big Ten. I know you Ugh. did, and I I Ugh. specifically told you, Not I good. warned you, I said don't do that. And uh, by the way, uh, Chris Ash, Rutgers head Mr. coach. Perfect. <laughs> I guess I forgot that you never ever make a mistake. That's right, I never make mistakes. <laughs> uh. No, Chris Ash, by the way, got fired after that game. Uh, no, I think, at Rutgers. Got, I think Chris Ash got lit up. Oh, he got burned. <laughs> yeah. Ew, be here all week. Tough folks. go for that guy, man. Like, I get it. You're at uh, Rutgers, so it's hard to win there, but also they can't just keep letting a guy who wins three games a year, you know, uh, right. uh, continue no, to coach you, there, right? They have to set a bar at some point. Right. Do and the bar who, is three wins, do, apparently. <laughs> Jim Moon Rutgers was in a New Year's Six Bowl? Yeah, when uh, Greg Schiano was a coach, yeah. and a lot of pe- uh, Greg Schiano left, he had like a an assistant job in some capacity at the Patriots, and he left Ooh. that. And some people think it's because he wants the Rutgers job back. Oh, um, wants to go to Rutgers? Yeah, he wants to go back to Jersey. He wants to go, go back home. So uh, the Jersey Shore. We mentioned it a little earlier. Virginia Notre Dame. Look, I think that Virginia is a really good team, and Bronco Mendenhall has them in a great spot. But I just don't know if they're ever going to be at that point where they can hang with Notre Dame's talent level. Uh, are you going to – I feel like that one turnover from Bryce Perkins changed the entire game. Yeah, but, like, you know, that's – I think that's – a you know, yeah, you can say it could have been if not for this, but that's a perfect example is that, like, that was, like, Virginia operating on their peak, right? Is like they're playing really close against Notre Dame, and all it takes for them is one little mistake, and then the game is over. Right. Whereas Notre Dame didn't even look like they were playing that great. You know what I mean? And so – Notre Dame even isn't as good as they have been in the past. And so that's just – Notre Dame has that much more talent on their team. I think that Brian Kelly's a really good coach, so I don't know that he really had that much of a coaching advantage over Bronco Mendenhall, who we both agree is a great coach. Yeah. But that's just the difference in recruiting, and it's not that recruiting is everything, but you know, you, I, I don't think a team like Virginia ever really has a chance at making a playoff just because you know they're always going to run into a team that has – all the like four and five star guys that just can you know is better and, and can play better. I didn't love that Virginia fell like five or six spots in the rankings. I thought that was too harsh of an overreaction. Yeah, I agree. But the they'll AP get back there honestly because I think they'll win their division and end up playing in the ACC championship yeah. against Clemson. So I mean they're a tough team. I really like them. I was pulling for them. But thirty five twenty final score. Notre Dame gets the cover there. Uh, Washington USC. So hey, finally. A USC backup quarterback looked like a backup quarterback. So Matt Fink, he's actually a third-string quarterback. Uh, Keaton Slovis, who was questionable, didn't play. And Matt Fink goes 19 for 32, throws three interceptions. Washington, you know, is, is kind of looking more like what we expect them to look like this year. Uh, after You know, that, that Cal loss was tough. They looked really bad, and since then they've looked super sharp. 
So I think that lightning delay was really weird. I mean, I know that Washington was at home, so they should have dealt with it better. But I mean, I, I think that's kind of a a game you sort of throw out in the data. I mean, it, it was again Maybe. weird circumstances. Cal has beat them two years Cal, in a row now, though. Yeah. So like, could it, you know, sometimes teams just like have another team's number, mm-hmm. even when it seems like they're not the better team. It could just be that. Overall, though, I mean, USC. It's funny. Like, I'm just waiting for. It's like it's like watching a couple that you know they're gonna break up. Yeah. You know, it's just like when is <laughs> when are they gonna move on from? Clay so, much fun, yeah. <laughs> <It's> so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. At least when when it's not you, right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Washington State. So a tough couple of weeks for Mike Leach for the yeah. Pirates. They, uh, I, I thought they'd keep it close just because their history against Utah. Utah gets the bounce back win. They hammer Washington State thirty-eight thirteen. Did you see that after the game? Mike Leach called his players fat and lazy. Well, look, <laughs> my my point last week to why I thought Washington State had an advantage in the spread was because the style they play. Right, and yeah. so him coming out after the game calling his players out that fits right in. I mean, they they yeah. they blew it. I think he said fat. Lazy and pampered, or yeah, fat, lazy and dumb, <laughs> dumb or something like dumb. that. Guy, that guy doesn't hold back, and I love it. We both love Mike Leach. I know, and so that's got to suck if you're one of those offensive linemen. He's just dragging you in the media. I know, right? And I heard that. Not that they don't need to hear. Maybe they do, but well, they haven't been playing well, and they right. had pretty high expectations. But yeah, he said this before. You know, he has a pattern. I forget whether it was last year or the year before. Mike Leach came out and he's like, these players are all entitled. Everyone thinks they've won something. They haven't <laughs> yeah. won anything. It's like he pretty much did the same thing last right. week. I think Mike Leach does not like millennials. Yeah. I'm going out on, oh, or isn't it Generation sure. X now? Isn't that like the new? Yeah, those guys technically aren't millennials. We're millennials. Right. Uh, but I feel like people just lump in the young kids these days exactly. as millennials when they're talking about those damn kids. Mike, Mike Leach does not like the damn kids. The oh, totally. No, no, he doesn't. And. It's especially true because what he said in his interviews, he's like, you know, we pretty much had this, we had this exact same offensive line last year and they played great. Now they suck. And he's like, they've been reading too much positive stuff about right. themselves and they're fat and lazy. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> I love it. I love lazy. Although, you know, Mike Leach, I don't know if he's one to criticize based on, you know, at least physical appearance. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I mean, I don't know if he's lazy, but he's... You know, yeah. he's not buff. Slow he's no Kyle Whittingham. He's big boned. Uh, you, do you have any other notes from the weekend? No, pretty much does it for me. Okay, moving on. So I wanted to talk, you know, we were talking about, you know, kind of the caliber of playoff teams. And so, you know, what teams you see as being playoff uh, worthy right now and then in kind of a broader discussion, you know, a lot of people talk about the eight-team expansion or expanding to eight teams for the playoff and what you think about that. Because, like, right now, I, you know, we mentioned it before, who I see as teams that are the caliber of – a playoff team. It's Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Auburn, Clemson, Oklahoma. Wisconsin just misses the cut for me right now, just because of that showing against Northwestern. They just got to prove it to me. If they, you know, if they win out or they win eleven games and play a really close one against Ohio State, then maybe they're, you know, more worthy. But to me, that's who I see it, and like it, it's just tricky because when you look at it, like what do we really know about any of these teams? Like if if well. Uh, but but we don't know that much about these teams. But I think that right now in the season, it's hard. College football is so difficult at this point in the season not to be chalk. I mean, right. you look at these teams and it's just like based on what we've seen the last three, four, five. I mean, it's 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 it, they should rename it the college football playoffs to the Alabama Ohio State Clemson Memorial with right. one more team invited. Yeah. So I mean, those are obviously my top three teams. 
unless you start getting hot takeish, and we're talking about like some, you know, Washington sneaking back in, or 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 Texas if they beat Oklahoma, or, uh, right? This weird stuff, right? I, it's so hard for me not to go Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma. That's yeah. my final four right now. I, I'm sorry if it sounds, is it the same story See, again? But I feel like, and I think that when you're looking at past history, you're right to include Clemson. But like, if you chuck out you know, what we've seen in the past, and you're just going off of what we've seen this year, I don't know if Clemson's on that level. I mean, they only have – their best win is Texas A&M, and it was 24-10, and I don't, it wasn't I that think great. You're over, I think you're overreacting to last week. No, I mean, like, uh, the, you know, they've hammered bad teams, but, like, if you if you could just remove everything from, from you know, from what you know about Clemson, from them showing up in the playoffs but and being a really so good team. to do that. I know, but, like, if you try to do that, like, if you were just looking – like, let's just look at – if all you're these alien teams, and landed on Earth this year exactly. and had no stats, no prior knowledge I don't think of anything th- before. You'd still think Clemson's very good. I don't think you'd think they were as good as that, Alabama or okay. Ohio State if right now. If that were my case, and I'm trying to just put myself in that scenario, uh, I wonder what I would eat. I wonder what the first thing I would eat was. <laughs> okay, so I'm an alien. I land Probably on, a person. <laughs> I don't have any information, and I just watched this season. My rankings, one through four, would be Ohio State one, Alabama two, Georgia three, and probably Oklahoma four. Interesting. Or Oklahoma three and Georgia four. Because I think if you look at it, I mean, like right now, I think that the best resume is. Uh, I think I may have overlooked Oklahoma. No, I, no, I don't think you did. I mean, like Oklahoma doesn't have that many. They don't have a great win right now. But either. Aliens don't know that. They don't. No, I, I think they could. I think because they, they, they know they know UCLA knows. sucks. They know Houston okay, sucks. Okay. You know what I mean? So okay. they don't have a great winner. Honestly, I th- I feel like right now the team with the best overall resume, just ignore all the other stuff, is Auburn. They beat Oregon, neutral site. They went at Texas A and M and won that game. That's a tough place to play. And then they just hammered Mississippi State, who everyone knows is a good team. They may not be great, but they're good. LSU has that's, a good win that's at a good Texas. Point. Yeah. But honestly, right now. Auburn might have just the best resume at thing how things stand right now. That's that's interesting you bring them up. I mean, I can't I don't have an argument against that, but what about L I mean, I guess based on how who they play. Right. Auburn has played the most difficult schedule up to this point. Right. So And you know, we're we're playing a game here by removing what we know because what uh, we do know is that even if Clemson limps into the playoffs, I think if you give Dabo Swinney, you know, a month to prepare for whoever the three or the four seed team is or whoever he's playing, that they're gonna look really good. And so, you know, if if uh, if Clemson goes undefeated, like you have to put them in, right? It's the same thing with Alabama. Alabama hasn't played anyone either. I mean, they have no good good win on their schedule right now. Uh, but if they go undefeated, yeah, they're in. yeah for sure. For and sure. like right, they will. You know, by the time the schedule's done, but they don't play anyone until they play LSU in November. They really don't play anyone great. Yeah, I mean, they don't play the, Georgia. They don't, like, and, they'll, and they'll likely go into that game undefeated. But again, that's yeah. why I love college football. It's one little trip up any of these games. If, right. if Clemson would have lost to UNC, that would have almost taken them out of the discussion for me. I mean, with their schedule, you talk about a, a, an easy schedule. What games do they have to get back in the national mix, except for the ACC championship and right. maybe playing a Virginia team at that point? Yeah, for sure. So no, that that would have killed them, and you know that's why again it's fun to watch this play out but right now i'm going chalk even as an alien so then with an eight do you think that in that any of that is diminished if you go to eight teams because then you know you can lose one big one texas then has a much easier path to get back in if it's an 18 playoff right yeah i think i i'm always been a fan of an 18 playoff right. you know the five 
But you don't think it diminishes it at all? I mean, no, like no, no. I I kind of agree because I feel like a team, you know, with I one with one loss, one bad loss isn't like isn't that bad. And you still all you're doing is giving them a shot at that point yeah. when they when it's an 18 playoff. Even right? if it's a 16 team playoff, and I would not be an advocate for that. But even if it is, I don't think it diminishes the champion. You earned it. You're a top. No, 16 no. Team. I, I don't mean diminishes the champion. Like I think if you go to a 16 team playoff. It diminishes the regular season at that point. Oh, because then all of a sudden, you know, if Alabama slips up and lose one, they go, well, "That doesn't matter. I mean, We're still yeah, getting there." Yeah, it, it, like a team. I don't really it, think it does. But here, but I would love to go back and see year by year how many undefeated teams there are on average. Maybe like two or one or two. Oh yeah, maybe like it's, two, it's two or, or so. less. I'm sure. So like like maybe like one and a half or so. Right. And then how many one-loss teams there are? You know, like where do we stratify? What's the average stratification year by year? Because what I feel would happen is that even if you're doing a top eight playoff, you lose a game, now you're in the conversation not to be in the playoffs. So I still think that it really, really makes the the, the regular season very important. So I went back and I looked at the playoff rankings heading into the playoffs uh, from 2014 on. And because... I think. What do you like, mean the playoff rankings heading into the playoffs? Like, uh, you know, because I, I don't know if the playoff committee puts out a final rankings after the championship is earned, or if that's just the final. You know, so it's. I just, don't think they do. Okay, so then this, these would technically be the final playoff rankings, okay. right? And normally, all, all anyone cares about is the top four, and then maybe who it, who is left out at five or whatever. But I went ahead and went, you know, one through eight to see what these games would have been like, and then we can decide if we think it would have mattered at all. If you feel like that seven seed you know, had a chance of that two seat or whatever. Yeah. So like, cause there's not much like this is where when people say we need an 18 because we don't know if like UCF people will be like, we need an 18 playoff because we think we could have beaten Alabama. Right. And the only way we'd know, but then you look at it like in 2014, you, I, I don't think any of these, it, it wouldn't have changed anything because that was the year. That was the first playoff year. Ohio state snuck in at four. A lot of people felt like uh TCU or Baylor should have gotten that fourth spot. They ended up five and six and, like we saw Ohio State win it all, and so if you had seeded them how they were, the only game where I feel like you maybe would have had an upset would have been TCU, the six seed playing Florida State, the three seed. Yeah, yeah, that, I could have seen that. I could have too. That would have been interesting. And, and I think a lot of the times when when we go through these and look at these matchups, it is going to be close. I think right. those teams right around six, seven, eight are just as good and have an right. argument often to to be in the conversation. But what we found is that. Y- Generally speaking, the one and two seed are like are the ones that are right, and then the three and four is maybe where there's debate. But that first year was actually interesting because uh, Bama was the one seed and they lost to Ohio State, the four seed in the first round of the playoff. Really, and so you know things would have changed. It, it wasn't the been, two, three, Florida State, Oregon that year. Yeah, so oh, okay. Oregon was two. They would have been playing Mississippi State. That was like the Dak Prescott Mississippi State team. Okay, that would have been cool. Bama would have been playing Michigan State. That would have been an easy one for Alabama. And then you would have had TCU, Florida State, Baylor, Ohio State. Those games would have been pretty good. Yeah. The next year, you would have had, uh, you know, the only game where I thought like actually we would have seen an upset. This was the only time I really felt like someone got robbed as far as making the playoff. It was that was that Stanford team that didn't make the playoff. And they would have been Christian McCaffrey. Yes, Christian McCaffrey. They would have been the sixty. They would have been playing Michigan State, who got destroyed by Alabama. And if you remember, Stanford hammered Iowa that year in the bowl game and looked incredible. I thought Stanford deserved to make the playoff that year. And so I think that's the only game where you look at it where you say from twenty fifteen that actually would have changed something having an eighteen playoff. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Other than that, you wouldn't have had much. You know, it would have been Notre Dame versus Clemson. 
uh, like a lot of Notre Dame versus. Clemson well, that's on the here, early actually. Clemson too. Yeah, for sure. That was like the first. That was the first year that Clemson made the playoff, and then they ended up actually losing to Alabama in the national championship that okay. year. Okay. But then the next year they win it, and so the next year it's the same thing. You don't have. The 2016, we actually would have had an Ohio State-Michigan rematch. No way. It would have been Michigan the sixth seed, Ohio State three, and that was the year where the game was so close it went right, to overtime. Right. You had the spot. And then Penn State, who a lot of people felt like got snubbed, they would have played Washington. That's another interesting game there too. But once again, the one and the two seed were right. I don't think anything happens with that. So that's what we're finding. Is well, so what we're finding is it's just the one and the two that have the advantage. Let's go back to the old system where it's just the, the BCS. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is that I, uh, is I, I can't remember BCS. where I heard this. I want to say it was on Ryan Rosillo's uh, show on ESPN. Is that he was saying that someone went through and applied the BCS model to all of these playoff years, and that actually found that all but one of them they would have had one and two right. <laughs> they would have had the two best teams right, like the teams that ended up in the championship game. It was a pretty good system. People just, it worked. People, yeah, people just didn't, people like, didn't it like it because it only afforded two teams a chance. Like the yeah. only year where it wouldn't have worked is Ohio State, the very first playoff year, sneaks in as a four seed with a, with a third-string quarterback and then wins it all, and which is crazy. Weren't there like some years where the national championship, if I'm remembering correctly, was like the one versus the three? No, in the BCS. Was, uh, I don't think so. I, Are I, you sure? Well, maybe it was one versus three in like the AP, the AP or, or the coaches, like but in the BCS, it was their own rating system, so it was always one versus one, two. two. I think the only year there was actually controversy was when Bama and LSU played each other twice. Remember, LSU beat them in the regular season, then Bama beat them for the national championship. Well, yeah, I remember that. But what am I thinking of that? Maybe I'm just remembering incorrectly, but for some reason, I, I think I, I'm associating BCS with the. You never really knew if it was the number one team at the end, right? Because there was there well, that, been that like, was always the debate. And the funny thing is that, like the as much as we love the playoff, I actually think it has slightly diminished the other bowl games. Because when the BCS oh, yeah. was there, yeah, making a New Year's Six bowl was all of a sudden like awesome. It was great. It was like, oh, you made the Orange Bowl. You know, you didn't make the championship game, but you, you this was all of a sudden a huge game. And now what you're seeing is like last year was perfect perfect example. Georgia felt like they deserved to be in the playoff. And they play, I think it was the Fiesta Bowl against Texas, whatever. It was a New York New Year's Six Bowl. They weren't very motivated, and Texas just blew them out. Right. And I think if you play that game and it's more meaningful, if it's regular season or if that was the national championship game, I think Georgia plays a lot better. I definitely agree. It's not – it's diluting the other yeah, bowl it is. games. But it's sure. still, I think it's still overall a positive because everyone's happy. The playoff games are just awesome now. They're well, intense. Yeah, and it's it's everyone gets excited for that. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, I, I – I, God, I, I wish I could remember what that Christmas song is. And a, a holiday for cheer. The, it, it's the <laughs> You're ES, doing a terrible it's job the of ESPN. It's the ESPN song they run during the... And it, it's got Lee Corso on it, and they're singing the Christmas parody about ESPN bowl games. I don't remember. On ESPN. You're doing such a bad okay. job of making this sound <laughs> like something we all know. I'll have to... I'll find it next week, Yeah, Will. do it. All right. Special thanks to Wise Money Sports. Once again, they're the show sponsor. Wise Money Sports is really cool. I'm a member there. So you join, and it's really cool because you get uh, multiple professional bettors that put their portfolio together to give you just a crazy number of picks across all different sports. Uh, We've talked about it before. You know, you can get hockey picks, soccer picks, football, basketball, 
tennis picks. I mean, anything you can imagine, wherever they see the value to where they can get wins for you and make you some money, they'll put it on there. So make sure you join the team. It's not just picks too. You can get a one-on-one brokerage service or you can get a one-on-one consulting with what is called a, a, a pick broker, a gambling broker. So go check it out. There's lots of different packages. Check them out online, wisemoneysports.com and on Twitter at wisemoneysports. So, so Tyler, I put in when we were going through the outline for the show. Yes. I put in the headline predictor again because you were so good at it. When we did this a couple weeks no, ago. No, you didn't warn me. I, I wrote those ahead of time. What? You think I just came up with the? Oh. No, I know. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. Th- I, I knew you'd come up with them ahead of time. But what I'm saying is that I put it in the outline for us this week, right? Uh-huh. But then I couldn't come up with any. Uh, so like, you took it is, out? I <laughs> know uh, I didn't take it out. It's just this is going to be your thing. I can't. I, I like. I tried so hard because yours were so good, and I ended up feeling so shitty after we did it a couple weeks ago because yours were awesome and mine were terrible. And so now, like, I I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm trying to think of punny things and things that rhyme, and I couldn't come up with anything. And so this is now the official Tyler Walgy headline predictor segment. Whoa. Yeah, you didn't even give me a heads up though. That's what I mean for today. Oh Are no, it, do that it was today? in the, it was in the it was in the. Uh, I'm pretty sure I put it in the outline, but whatever. That's not. We don't have to do it. We'll do it next week. Did you? Uh, I swear. I don't want whatever. That's fine. We'll, oh, it's after the wise money read. Yeah. My my, I just went down and assumed those were the games. No, no, and then I, I, just I went and checked off all the games. Oh, because usually we do the, the curtain a little the bit. Read right yeah, before the, yeah, the game. Exactly. Yeah. So I threw a curveball at you. That's fine. You did. Well, we'll, we'll and plan I never one for next week's show then, and then this will give me more time to we'll, try to come up with some of my we'll own. We'll see if I can make some sausage during the show <laughs> okay. and come up with some live headlines. <laughs> yeah, right? while we're going through <laughs> the games, we'll see. This will be a real test of of Tyler's skills. There we go. All right. Well, then let's do some six games. Yeah, let's do it. All right, started off Central Florida, UCF the Knights tr- going at Cincinnati. They're four-point favorites here. Now, this is an important game. This is obviously UCF lost last week in a bad showing to uh, who they, they lost to Pitt, or that was two weeks ago. And, you know, their chances at being a three-time national champion, uh, th- repeating three-time national championship, may be over. But this is big if they want to have a chance at winning the American Athletic Conference, the AAC. Both these teams are in the AAC East Division, so this game likely decides the champion, I think. So UCF, they've won three straight against Cincinnati and by an average of 25 points per game. I think you give the coaching advantage also to UCF with Mark Heupel. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Heupel? Heupel? I think think that Luke Fickle's a good coach, but I I just give the advantage to UCF there. And then you look at their production on the field. Uh, UCF's averaging 49 points per game. That's good for sixth in the nation. And their defense isn't that bad either. I mean, they're they're allowing 19 points per game. That's currently ranked 33rd. And then Cincinnati, we know that they're a good defense. Their defense is right around the same. They're, they're giving up about 21 points per game. But on the offensive side for Cincinnati, it's much different. They're only averaging 27 points per game right now. And that's bottom half. That's 81st in the country. So I think this, you know, look, we saw when UCF lost to Pitt, Dylan Gabriel, their quarterback, threw two interceptions. And I think this game will be decided by who wins the turnover battle. If Cincy wants to win, they're going to need to force turnovers. And they haven't been all that great at it so far. Through four weeks, uh, four games, they, they only have two interceptions and they've forced two fumbles. So I think UCF is the better team here. But with their hopes of going undefeated in that loss to Pitt, uh, I'm kind of I'm wondering if they're going to be as motivated to win this game and play for an AAC championship because they've 
been the AAC champion two years in a row now. Is there kind of a motivation factor here where Cincy is more motivated to get revenge? Uh, you know, I mentioned that Central Florida's beat them three years in a row and they haven't been close. So I think you have a little bit more motivation for Cincinnati here. And I saw today when I was looking on Twitter, Cincinnati painted their turf black. Uh-huh. You know how like Boise State has blue turf? They painted the field black and did this cool thing with the end zone. I think they're trying to make this a big game are for they, Cincinnati. Are they, can they play like that? Is that against the rules? Or It must be. I mean, it must, must be legal. They just oh, did it. Wow. So, look, I, I hate picking against Central Florida. They're a team that I really like, and I think even though they get a ton of hype, I still think they're underrated from a national level just because they're in the AAC and they don't play that same rigorous schedule as we see from Power 5 teams. But I think right now I'm leaning Cincinnati – with four point, getting four points at home. They've been a very good home team, very good at home against the spread as well. Did you just say that you uh, think there's a lot of hype surrounding UCF, or did you say, no. say there's a lot of hypeal surrounding <laughs> UCF? <laughs> there, there's your headline. Hey, oh, Damn there we it. go. You're good at this, Walter. Yeah, creating the hypeal. We'll mm-hmm. work with Didn't it. Didn't live up to the hypeal. Hey, <laughs> folks. All right. Um, I see a letdown here for UCF. I mean, I think that motivation is the biggest factor in this week's handicap in this game. UCF thought. I I always like to play the sociology game. I know a lot of people that drives them crazy. Fair enough. It's a different approach, but I always like to go in the locker room and sort of say, what are they saying in the locker room? And a way you can do that is to read local articles, look at their Twitter, Right. right? Often the person doing Twitter is just some, you know, call you know probably like a manager or something like that on the team right who's following them around you can really good good information on twitter about a lot of this stuff i think ucf's main goal go undefeated let everybody know where they had a goal their goal was we're gonna beat every power five team and then once we do that we've checked that off the list they, they sort of had their their they, they josh uh Heupel said that right he said it's our goal to beat every power five conference team this year then we'll take care of the other business that loss last last week. Two we weeks talked, ago, yeah. Two weeks ago, sorry. We just talked about the unfairness in college football. This is right there along those lines. They're out of it. They have no chance now. Right. And I think when you get this team that two weeks ago, well, two weeks and a couple days ago, their motive or their their mentality was, hey, we are a national championship contender. As long as we go undefeated, we were right there last year. How can we not at least get the national attention? Blah blah blah. They lose to Pitt, who. I think that they're better than a lot of people think. Talking about Pitt, but the, you think UCF's like, hey guys, the Pitt Panther. I don't, I don't know how how up for that game they got, even though it may right. have been a Power Five school. So I think it's a huge letdown for UCF this week. The only reason, the only stat keeping me off Cincinnati. You mentioned how good they are against the spread at home, which is true, but against winning teams at home, that stat drops off. Now, if you look at Cincinnati, just straight up, and you go back, look at their schedule, their last nine games. Guess what they are at home. 9-0 and oh, with an average winning margin of 23.6 points. That is unbelievable. Great team at home, but then you look deeper. Well, the last teams they played at home that were winning teams with winning records, 1-7 and seven right. against the spread. So they struggle in those must-win opportunities. I think that, like you said, there is motivation. I didn't know about the field. That's a, If you're going to back Cincinnati, that's a little plus in your direction. I'm passing this game. Because of that one and seven stat, I don't trust Cincy in this spot. But if I had to make a play, I'm going Bearcats. Yeah, me too. I think that it's just going to be a cool environment. They actually have a cool, you know, as far as like the smaller, lesser known stadiums go, their stadium is really cool. They have loud fans. You know, people in Ohio sports in general, you know, they're rowdy. They're good sports fans. So I think it'll be a cool environment. 
And then you're, you know, it may seem stupid to say, oh, they painted the field. That can have an effect. No, but I don't think so. I, I don't remember the last time I saw a game played on black turf. Maybe that will throw off. You know, that could even throw off Cincinnati too. But it, it'll probably look weird to the players. It could throw things off. I think that it'll, you know, maybe get the crowd going. It's like a, a cooler environment. It'll probably be a blackout game. And so I just feel like it'll be, you know. Cincinnati's going to be way more excited about this game than, than UCF is, right? Cincinnati wants this game. They want revenge. Uh, I, hopefully it's not like what we thought with Maryland where they made a big spectacle out of their game against Penn State too and did a blackout and all that. But I I think Cincinnati keeps it close, and when they're getting four points at home, I, I think that's where I'm leading. It, I just I, I feel like I remember hearing somewhere that Boise State was the only school that was legally allowed to do that. They must have changed. Yeah, I remember that, gotten, but that was that, a that while was ago. Like 10, 8, yeah. 10 years ago. Because you can't just do it. Like there'd be no way that they would do it without well, checking with the and to that, make sure it was cool with the rules. Right? And that well, yeah, you would. But yeah, you're right. Um, and then I think that's FBS that that used to be because I remember you know Eastern Washington has a red field, don't they? Yes. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, cool. So I got all right. Next up, Texas. Going at West Virginia, Texas, 11-point favorites here. So West Virginia actually has won three of the last four, including a one-point victory last year in Austin. Dana Holgerson, of course, was the Mountaineers' head coach at the time. He is in Texas, but not as the West Virginia head coach. He, of course, left the Mountaineers to coach Houston. The same Kinda. Texas anymore, Toto. <laughs> so West Virginia comes into the week actually 3-1, and one, and I think a lot of people were kind of surprised by that. People were predicting them to be a really terrible team. I still think they're, they're pretty bad. Because when you look at those three wins, they're not against good teams. They beat James Madison. They beat NC State, who maybe you could say that's a surprise, but I think NC State is pretty bad this year. And then they beat Kansas as well. So Texas, on the other hand, they beat a super tough Oklahoma State team last week. And, of course, they lost by just one score to LSU, who you know we agree is playoff caliber at this point. So both teams had a bye week to prepare for this game. And I think that helps Texas more because that gives Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator, extra time to prep his defense for, you know, their defense had been battered, especially in the secondary. And so, you know, everybody knows about Sam Ellinger and the explosive offense. I don't have to tell you much about that, but I think that this is the week where we actually see a strong showing from the Longhorns defense. Uh, this is a West Virginia offense that's ranked 94th in the country in points scored. And with the Longhorns wanting revenge from last year, I think this should be light work for, the boys in burnt orange in Austin. Uh, uh, it is at West Virginia, though, I should say, though. Um, but, you know, but this is a big game that they probably Texas probably just wants to get out of the way before their big matchup with Oklahoma next week. So I like Texas here, minus 11. I just don't see any way that West Virginia can score to keep up with Texas here. I look at Texas's stats and compare them to what we're seeing this year from West Virginia. I was down on the Mountaineers to start the season, and I know they're 3-1, and one, but I still don't really believe in this team at all. You start going through the stats. Total score per game. Texas is scoring 20 more points. Passing yards. Texas almost 125 more passing yards. Rushing yards. Texas is doubling them. Time on the field. Texas wins. Number of plays. Texas wins. Yards per play. Texas has the advantage across the board. The yeah. only way Texas doesn't dominate this game is if there's some sort of letdown, and I don't see that off of a bye week. Right. And frankly, now that everything's kind of shaping up how it is, they have one loss. They can't afford another one. I don't see Texas letting down at all this game. And I want to focus on West Virginia's rushing attack. 79, 79 yards per game will be nowhere close what they need to do to make uh, Texas's defense two-dimensional right, right. Or, or I guess keep de uh, Texas's defense off balance so they 
so they it can be two dimensional, right. right? So I I think that West Virginia gets stuck having to throw the football. Third and longs will be the name of the game, and I think Texas rolls here. I like Texas against the spread. Yeah, me too. You know, you said that uh, you mentioned that the only way that you could see this going wrong is if there was like a letdown, and that that really doesn't work off of a bye week. Maybe I guess the only way it could work is is this could be a look ahead moment. Maybe they're looking ahead because they have the Red River rivalry next week. Is it next week? That's next week. Ooh, how about that? I just that I didn't know that until yeah. Well. But even still, I just don't really see that. I don't think that look ahead games is really Tom Herman's uh, thing. I don't think that I, I think he's Not proven bag, to have a, a good to be a good motivator and get his kids ready. And you know these are all his recruits now coming in, filling in for the starters they lost from last year. I, yeah, I, we're both on the same side here. I, I really see Texas as probably blowing West Virginia out of the water here. So 11 points isn't that much to ask for. Next game, Purdue. So Purdue going at Penn State. They are right currently 27.5-point underdogs. This line <laughs> moved a bunch, by the way. It opened at 25. So that's already almost three points uh, moved even more in favor of Penn State. So Penn State, they get the blowout win over Maryland, 59 to nothing. Now they've got Purdue coming to Beaver Stadium. And these teams are just going in opposite directions. You know, we entered the year knowing Penn State would have a great defense, but also major question marks on offense. And then after last week's thrashing of the Terps, you know, maybe they put a lot of those questions to bed. Sean Clifford looked amazing. They were explosive in the run game. So all that was looking really good. And then when you look across the field at Purdue, uh, you know, with Jeff Brom, the head coach, I think this is his third year now. Look, they're really struggling on defense. They're giving up 32 points per game. Uh, that's good for 108th in the country, and none of those teams that they're that they're uh, they were playing are known for scoring a ton of points. So this tells me Penn State's going to score a ton. And Rondale Moore, the star wide receiver for, for Purdue, he's out with a knee injury. That that guy is electric. He's one of the best players in the whole country. So I just don't see any way that Purdue can hang with Penn State here. That being said, 25 points is a lot, or 27 and a half is a lot. So especially when you consider. That outside of the Maryland game, Penn State hasn't looked all that dominant. They were losing at halftime against Buffalo. They barely won against Pitt. So I'm a little hesitant to play Penn State here when uh, they seem kind of a little a little up and down. You know, maybe they'll prove that they're elite and start blowing out all these bad teams, but we haven't seen enough yet. I'm leaning Penn State here, but I just don't love it being such a high number. I don't have a whole lot to add for this game. Okay. I don't have a great cap. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a super exciting game, uh, but it is interesting that that line moved three whole points. That is. So we'll we'll, see, we'll learn more about uh, Penn State in the weeks coming. So next up, this is a big matchup. Iowa going Uh-oh, Will. on the road at, at Michigan. <laughs> this line opened up Michigan five-and-a-half-point favorite. It is already down to three-and-a-half points. Yeah. So Iowa has won five out of six against Michigan, but they haven't won in Ann Arbor since 2010. Uh they do kind of seem to have Michigan's number as of late. You know, if you remember in 2016, oh, they no. took down Michigan when they were undefeated and ranked number one in the country. When was that? That was 2016. That was in Iowa City, though. Michigan was undefeated, ranked number one, and then they go and lose at Iowa. So, look, you know, I mentioned before, saw some improvement from Michigan, but none of it matters because it's all against Rutgers. Michigan has the talent to win this game, but I don't know if they're going to be tough enough on defense to keep Iowa off the field. Iowa, to me, is very similar to Wisconsin. They, they're... They're like a mini version of them. They run the ball. They play strong defense. And Michigan is thin on the defensive line. They've given up run uh, a lot of rushing yards to you know any team that has any semblance of a good offensive line. Army did it. Middle Tennessee even did a little bit of it. Wisconsin destroyed them. And then you look at the injury report, 
an already thin defensive line and Michael Dwumfor, a defensive tackle at Michigan, their weakest spot on the whole defense. An inside lineman, he's questionable with a hand injury. Look, I just don't see Michigan may have covered against Rutgers, but we talked on the show before, uh, last week about how Michigan went like seven straight games without covering the spread, and it went not by close either. They weren't covering the spread by two touchdowns or more. And so take Iowa here. Iowa, three-and-a-half-point underdog. This line is going to continue to drop. I think that by kickoff, we're going to see this be more like two-and-a-half or three. I like Iowa here. Michigan's got to prove something that they can play good against a good team before you you want to put any money on Michigan. I completely agree with that. I mean, uh, how do you spend money on a team like Michigan right now? To me, if you're going to if you're going to bet on a team, it's about predictability. And Michigan right now is very volatile. I could honestly see any of the following happening. Michigan winning by 17, overtime, Iowa winning by 17. And before you say Iowa's defensive, they keep the low the, the score low, not so fast. The total has gone over in 8 out of Iowa's last 9 games. Wow. So when they go on the road, they have the ability to play more up to their opponents opposed to when they're at home, they can use that crowd noise and slow things down, play the de- play a defensive game. So if Michigan wants to play that spread and, and kind of open this game up, I think Iowa will play right along. If Michigan scales things back and wants to run the football, I think Iowa can adapt to that as well. So yeah. I think based on the style that Iowa's been playing this season, they've shown a, a strange Iowa ability to be versatile. And maybe we haven't seen, again, the best team they played is Iowa State. So we are going to see maybe some exposure this week. But you look at their numbers this season, they're allowing 8, 8.5 points per game, yeah. third in the nation in, uh, in that category, 20th in the nation, top 20 against the run and the pass. I just don't see how Michigan puts it together against this great defense. I think Michigan, you know, ends up with eight, maybe even nine wins this season. I don't know. Maybe eight is is more accurate, but I don't think this is one of those good matchups that favors Michigan. So, I mean, I'm I'm not going to make it a huge play because I do think volatility is a real thing. And I do think that Michigan... They got something waiting, man. There's going to be one week coming up where we where we come to record this, and it's like, holy shit, Michigan looked really good against that good defense. It's only a matter of time, in my opinion. Right. Josh Gaddis is just learning, I think, how to call play, how to call plays during. You know, I mean, yeah. They moved him out of the uh, the coach's box down onto the field, by the way, and uh, he had you know he had been calling the plays all the way up from. Did from he the box. move him or did they move him? They didn't say. My guess is that is that he did it, um, but you know it's it's hard to say. And, and it definitely looked it looked a lot better. But I feel like it'd be so again, much more advantageous like in the boot in the in the box, don't you? Yeah, but I, I don't know. I feel like the best teams, their coordinators are, are on the field right. so they can talk to the players, yeah, and then they have I'm like an assistant. You know what I mean? My point of view. I, I just feel like if I'm like calling plays, I would want that bird's eye view and right. see like what like the video game level. <laughs> exactly. At it. But, but, that's that's then, why, but then that's you got to talk to your players through phones. You know what I mean? You can't scream at them on the field or get them lined up right you know i'd be a yeller too yeah i would be like like a it did help as far as like substitution issues and making sure they had the right personnel on the field but you know michigan also has had a propensity for penalties this year and look for once previously under harbaugh they've been a great defense against teams that like to run the ball and they've kind of been more exposed against teams that can throw the ball now i kind of feel like this team is reversed they have a lot of depth in the secondary if iowa comes into this with a game plan of we're going to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game, I'd feel a lot better. Right. But I think they're going to look at what Wisconsin did and they're going to say, we're going to chew the clock. We're going to run it down their throats. And honestly, I think they can. I think Michigan's running game is a huge concern right now. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they haven't been able to run the ball much. And I don't know whether that's the, the, the scheme, the system. I don't know what it is. But I do know 
that last week against the 110th best rushing defense in the nation, Michigan, through three quarters, averaged 3.8 yards a carry. Yeah, so their starting running back, Zach Charbonnet, has kind of been injured. He's, he's, he's in there, but he only got a few snaps. Um, the offensive line hasn't looked great, and I think that this transition to the spread offense has been tough on their running game. But, you know, against Rutgers, it seemed more like they just wanted to get I think that they also are trying to get – like the whole offense has been bad, so they're trying to get Shea Patterson comfortable, trying to get the receivers, you know, keep them happy so those guys don't, you know, go on strike or transfer right. or whatever. Right. So they threw the ball a lot against Rutgers. And, you know, like I said, you just can't take a lot, good or bad, against against Rutgers. It's Rutgers. So yep. we'll, we'll, we'll know a lot about if Michigan has improved or if they're still garbage after this week. So take Iowa, though. There you go. I agree. Next up, so we're going to go to the SEC – Auburn minus three going to Florida. I think right now, I think Florida's overrated. I think they're probably the worst undefe- undefeated team in the Power Five. I don't think they're a horrible team, but they're ranked ten right now, and their best win is probably Week Zero over Miami. Where, by the way, Florida didn't even look that good. Look, they beat up on a bad, a, a terrible Tennessee team. They probably should have lost to Kentucky too earlier. And now you get Auburn, who is one of the you know, the, has the one of the best resumes in college football right now. They come into the swamp red hot. And then Florida's backup quarterback, he's looked great. This kid, uh, Trask, uh, he's looked really, really great. But, you know, I mean, look, he's, com- he's completing 70% of his passes. But before the Tennessee game in week four, he hadn't started a game since his freshman year in high school. So he's been great, but... This Auburn defense is just something else. Just ask Justin Herbert of Oregon what it's like. So this kid's got a great story being a backup in high school and then making the Florida team being a backup there. But I think he finally has his game where he looks like a backup. Uh, The weather report, by the way, is saying there's a good chance we see rain around kickoff. That can only benefit Auburn here, who is the superior team on the ground. And the Auburn D-line, being the best in the country, will be able to force... Trask, this this backup quarterback for Florida, to beat them, which I don't think he can do. So I think this is where Florida gets exposed, and they're proven to be a little overrated. I think Auburn goes into the swamp and blows them out. And with them being just three-point favorites, I love Auburn here. I like the under in this game. I think that both defenses show up. I think that look, Florida... What's the number, by the way? What's the over? Been, the under? It is 47. Okay. Florida has struggled on offense. I think... I, I was just out of the room, so I'm not sure if you mentioned their offensive lines not look good. Uh, injury to their quarterback, they haven't been able to make that up. I did mention that. Felipe and, Franks. Yeah, yeah, hurt. Felipe yep. Franks. They've taken, we talked about kind of putting teams in categories. Florida's taken at least one step back in, in that offensive category, and if you're going to beat Auburn or at least score some points, you're going to have to be effective moving the football, effective on third downs. They're not good at all. Florida is 5-0 and straight up in their last five games at home. Average winning margin over 34 points. But this is the game where... Because I think their defense... I mean, you look at their defense last three years at home compared to on the road, averaging 17... Or allowing 17.3 points per game more on the road. They come alive at the Swamp. That's a real thing. Have you ever been to the Swamp? You've been to a lot of college football no, stadiums. No, that's definitely on my list, though. It, it, it seems like a really cool place yeah, to watch a game. Looks cool. Huge home field advantage. So I, I, I see Florida's defense... Uh, having a great game. Auburn's defense, we talked about them. I think both, yes, Bo Nicks may struggle a little bit. I don't want to be careful saying that this week, <laughs> but I think both offenses struggle, and I definitely like the under in this game. By the way, the total's gone under in five of Auburn's last seven games against Florida. Average score in all those games, 37.8 points. Wow. I like the under here. Okay, interesting. Um, 
Lastly, we got here Michigan State, 20.5-point underdogs going at Ohio State. Is it square? Am I going to be square here taking the Buckeyes? <laughs> okay, so Ohio State, they didn't cover week one against FAU. Since then, they are 4-0 against the spread, and they're blowing people out. Now, to be fair, this is the first real test uh, for Justin Fields. Michigan State has an elite defense. It is special. Oh, and whoa, that defense? The best, Jerry. The best. <laughs> Banya coming in there. I love it. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, there is oh, – look, there's part of me that says maybe Ohio State's just been hammering bad defensive teams and this is their real test and maybe they'll start slow and get exposed. But how can you bet against Ohio State at this point when they've been – not just covering the, sp- the spread, they've been going way past the spread. I mean, the spread against uh, Nebraska was 17 points, and they beat them 48-7. to seven. Uh, They even covered a 40-point spread against Miami, Ohio by like 20 points. So Michigan State, their offense has looked better than last year, which isn't – it's still not saying <laughs> much. I mean, Brian Lewerke has looked much improved. Right. He's looked like just a regular quarterback, and they're throwing the ball – He's, you know, I think he's averaging close to 300 yards per game right now. But the problem is they still can't run the ball. And Ohio State's defense is really good. It's un- Everyone talks about their offense. Their defense is underrated. I think it's a, a, probably a top five unit in the country right now. And I think they will be able to key in on that and, and take away the passing game, force Michigan State to run the ball, which they can't. And Ohio State, you know, at this point, it's like you're just expecting them to score every time they get the ball. So 20 and a half. Yeah, you said it. It may seem square to take Ohio State, but it's, they're at home. Uh, Ohio State, three straight wins against Michigan State, uh, including four out of the last five. The only, you know, I don't put uh, everything into these trends, but the only thing that makes me a little nervous is Mark D'Antonio in Michigan State. He's won two out of the last three in Columbus. Um, so, he, you know, he's not afraid to go there. He was an assistant at Ohio State under, under Jim Tressel. He knows what it's like to coach there. But, you know, we talked about it. This is just an, a different Ohio State team. Ryan Day has them, like, looking incredible. And this is we'll, – we'll know more. But right now, I like Ohio State to win by 21 or more. I like them – I'm expecting this first half line to be right around 10 or 11, maybe 12 points. I like that, too. I, I think Ohio State could definitely just blow them out. So I'm on Ohio State here. You mentioned a couple things that question – that make me question Ohio State. The road team has been very good in this game, and I'll get to that stat here in a second. Michigan State, 20th in the country in defensive efficiency. They're good against the run, good against the pass, and I start looking at, like I did earlier, where does each team kind of have the advantage? Well, obviously, in, in the final score, passing yards, rushing yards, Ohio State is is ahead of Michigan State. That seems obvious to me, right? Especially on, on on the ground. 262 a game for Ohio State. Michigan's still 150 on the ground a game. Not bad. You look at the passing yards. Ohio State, 264 yards through the air per game. Michigan State, 261. Yeah. So that's negligible. That, that That's right there a wash. Michigan State can throw the football. Will they have success against Ohio State? I don't think so. But, I mean, if there is one game that... that, that you know, they can put a few things together. Michigan State on the road, D'Antoni in the spot. I think that's certainly, you know, possible in this game. What the stats say to me when you look, not just, like I said, passing yards, rushing yards, time on the field and number of plays. Michigan State actually is, is ahead of Ohio State in both those categories right. by a substantial amount. If Michigan State can control the clock this game and actually run the football, which I know 150 on the ground 
compared to Ohio State's doesn't look great. But in, just if you look at that team as a snapshot, that is pretty good. And I think they will find success against Ohio State here running the football. Michigan State, 2-7 uh, and seven against the spread their last nine games. So I don't have any faith backing Michigan State against the right. spread. But then I go back and forth because the visiting team, here's a stat I was talking about, visiting team is 8-2 and two against the spread the last 10 matchups. So the visiting teams had a huge advantage. I can't go against Ohio State, though. I think that yeah. here's the thing is you always have to ask yourself, is the market charging these prices accurately, right? I know 40 points is a lot to lay on a spread sometimes, but if you think the spread should be 50, then you should play the minus 40. I think that what's happening is we, I think no one right now in the world of college football really knows how good Ohio State can be. And until we have some sort of gauge and some sort of estimation on how good they really are, it's tough for me to put my money about, you know, against them. Yeah. And so, so you mentioned that, that Michigan State has more overall plays and more time of possession. But I yes. think that to me, that's what that shows is that Ohio State, they, they score more points because they're. And, and even though they're doing it with maybe even a similar number of yardage, they're having explosive plays. Ohio State is hitting big, giant chunk plays, big, long scoring touchdowns, whereas Michigan State has to grind out these long touchdown drives. That is a huge advantage to Ohio State, I think, because if you can just force a team that explodes and scores quickly, if they're up 14 nothing, like, look out. It, it might be over for you because then all of a sudden the pressure is on you they can then force you into obvious passing situations. We know about Chase Young and what he can do in obvious passing situations. I think he has nine sacks through four games already. Wow. He's a freak. This guy's incredible. And uh, Michigan State's offensive line just hasn't looked good. So I think that the best teams score, you see it with Alabama, you see it with Clemson, you see it with Oklahoma. All the teams that have the best offenses that score the most points, they do it through explosive, giant chunk plays. And Ohio State is doing that a ton. Michigan State is not. You know, if they can force enough, if they can, you know, make Justin Fields look more like uh, a transfer quarterback that has more like Mrs. Fields, bingo. (laughs) Yes, if they can make him look like Mrs. Fields, if they can make him work for it, he hasn't played a a tough defense yet. If they can really make him work for it, maybe he struggles, throws a couple interceptions, he fumbles. Then maybe Michigan State has a chance here. But that's asking a lot when you consider that they need a few turnovers and long touchdown drives just to have a chance in this game to keep it close. And I think it's more likely when you just look at the probability that Ohio State blows them out. It's a much much greater probability in my opinion. Am I wrong? I'm seeing on oddshark.com the opening line was 13 and a half. I that didn't see that. That seems awfully low to me. I didn't see that. I yeah, I don't I don't know if that's Odd Shark can be a little squirrely sometimes. Yeah. Maybe some obscure sports book somewhere <laughs> offered that. I looked at this number on Sunday and it was already 20 and it's gone up to 20 and a half. I doubt. Okay. So, you know, ignore that folks. Yeah. I don't think that we've seen a line move that much. So, but even still, I mean, you kind of mentioned it, that even though they're big spreads, does the, is the market valuing it accurately? And I think that what Ohio state has shown is that no, they, that they're not being valued accurately and have they adjusted yet? And I'm not sure they, I mean, this is a big number against a good defense, but still, I think at this point, I think Ohio state looks like this, the first or second best team in the country. And this is the really the, the test where we'll know more. We'll, we'll find out what Ohio State is. Can they score against a very good Do you promise that defense? this is the one you're not going to come in next week if they win 46 to 16? No, go, if they blow out well, Michigan, Michigan State, State, we'll know. No, because okay. I think, you know, Michigan State, we don't know that their offense is great, but we know their defense is great. Yeah. It is. It's one of the best in the country. And if Ohio State blows them out, then we know Ohio State can score on anyone. And so this is the the real test where we decide is Ohio State on that level or not. How's Michigan's team speed? Michigan, Michigan State. State. 
Uh, I mean, they're very fast on defense. Their offense, I wouldn't say, you know, they have they don't have much at the wide receiver at the skill position. I guess I just meant on defense because that's what they're going to need is that their speed defense on defense. Their defense is fast, and, like, they're loaded. At, you could go down the list as far as good players. Kenny Willekes on the defensive line. You got Joe Bocci at linebacker. You got the Panushek or Panushek brothers. Uh, they're very good in the secondary. They're good everywhere on the defense. It, it, it would take me all day to list all their talented players there. But – they also, to be fair, haven't faced an offense like this yet, and and I'm not sure they'll face another one like it all year long. Uh, Ohio State's offense is explosive. They have like four wide receivers that can kill you, and obviously Justin Fields is incredible. J.K. Dobbins, the running back, is great. Their offensive line, which lost, I think, three starters from last year, has looked incredible. They've looked perfect. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Justin Fields has thrown an interception yet this, this year either. I don't know that, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had Pretty hadn't. sure he hasn't. So I'm all over Ohio State here. This is one of those things where it's – just keep betting them until they lose. I know, I know, I know. The thing is, Vegas doesn't like to be beaten by any one team. Like right. what Vegas likes at the end of the year is for Alabama to be six and six against the spread, and the University of Northern Book Clubs to be six and six. <laughs> right. So when I see Ohio State four and one against the spread so far, the books don't like that. So usually, and here's the thing: I'm a University of Colorado fan. Two or three years ago, CU. Their first nine games was eight and one against the spread. That's more, much more likely to happen with a team like CU that doesn't get a lot of public money. Right. It's not on national TV. For Ohio State, you don't, you rarely, rarely, I should say, see these against the against the spread streaks continue. So if Ohio State does end up six or seven and one against the spread, a that says that the market was slow to react. But b, I mean, the reason they're slow to react is because they don't want to overreact. Right. And, and lose a whole bunch of money. The, yeah. the, the markets are smart, and they have decades and decades of data and inf- information to go on. All this is telling me so far is the Buckeyes are still bucking decades of information, and I, I don't know when they're going to slow down. So. Yeah, I don't see any reason to pick against them. Right. Got to let it ride. Let it ride. All right, that's the show, guys. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, all the good <laughs> stuff. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at... Uh, CFB Weekly. Make sure you follow us. There's some good content there, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.